Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Hi, today my guest is Dr. Jeannie Burnett with the MANA Scholarship Fund. Jeannie, I'm so excited to have you on today. Good um, morning. Morning. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and what got you to where you are right now. Sure. Um, I am a psychologist, a licensed clinical psychologist in Georgia and in Arkansas. And I uh, became a psychologist because I, as a kid, had an eating disorder. And I went to a therapist, and she was a fantastic person in my life, very influential. And I decided to grow up and be one because I really liked it. Um, I started MANA in 2006 after I got out of grad school, worked for another company, and realized that I wanted to specialize in eating disorders. And um, I, it was actually two companies. Uh-huh. It was MANA Scholarship Fund for—it was the nonprofit side— and then I had started MANA Treatment, which was my private practice. After 10 years of running two companies, I was tired, and so I pulled <laughs> them together and, um, and went through a process of an accreditation so that we could do three different levels of care. And we've just kind of exploded. And now I have an amazing staff of like 15, 20. I don't remember how many. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget. Like, So um, yeah, that's that's kind of who I am. It's a, all of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, so Arkansas and Georgia is a very random pick of two states. Why those two states? Um, so I was born in Arkansas and all my family is there. Okay. And I have actually recently relocated to Arkansas. And I am going to be trying to create a presence for MANA in the state of Arkansas okay. because there's not a lot of treatment resources in Arkansas, especially for eating disorders. And our other subspecialty is trauma. Okay. Like childhood trauma. Right. PTSD, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Georgia, because I've been here for 30 years and I went to grad school here and started the business here. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, interesting. So, okay, uh, when you started this, 2006, you mm -hmm. said? Yes. Um, was this the first time doing anything entrepreneurial? Had you done anything entrepreneurial as a kid? Nope. Hustled, sold, candy no. bars, done anything I like that? I was a gymnast. A gymnast. I was a gymnast from 8 to 14. And, I, I mean, that was a that was almost a full-time job. We were at the gym 30 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, I was on a, a gymnastics team. I competed. So, in terms of learning motivation and dedication and resilience and just the fortuitiveness of just m continuing forward, right. I would say that's probably where I learned that. Yeah. Plus, 
My father was a physician and had his own practice for mm -hmm. about 33 years. Okay. And he has sort of helped me. Well, he's on the board now. And so he's um, been a guiding force in the business side of this. Yeah. So that's definitely entrepreneurial. So you did have an entrepreneur in the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. My grandfather was, I mean, I, yeah, I got lots of people in the family. Okay. So yes. your grandfather was a doctor as well. So a long Grandmother's history a doctor. in the medical field. She was, well, my grandfather who, yeah, was a doctor. And my grandmother was the first woman to receive her doctorate in education from Memphis State University. Wow. Like she was the first woman to receive a doctorate at Memphis State University. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I had some really cool family members. <laughs> um, well, th that's a great uh, a great history to kind of lean on. Yes. Um, so, you know, obviously with your own personal challenges, that was what kind of drove you into this, into mm -hmm. this field and industry. Um, what is it about this field that kind of keeps you going uh, and interested kind of on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh, gosh. There are so many hurting people in the world. Yeah. And um, anything that I can do to help lessen their pain. Yeah. And and the thing I love to do now, I don't work with as many clients now. I love training. I love teaching the, the junior therapists and my staff how to do what we do. Right. And so multiplying myself in that manner and just the experiences that I've had and how to think about not just like a behavior, but like the thought process and the brain process and all of those things that go underneath that. Yeah. And teaching that is just phenomenal. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. So is, is that where you spend most of your time now is in teaching? Yes. In fact, um, just Tuesday... I did a three-hour training on PTSD with the Sewanee Police Department. Oh, wow. So I'm going out into the world and training. I've done I've done more speaking opportunities this year. Yeah. And I look forward in 2024 as I am I'm pulling out of a lot of the clinical aspects of MANA. And I'm starting to join the ranks of like a true CEO where I want to go out and I want to teach different companies, different police, you know, fire, like all of that. I want to teach about how they can prevent themselves from developing a post-traumatic stress disorder or eat, like how to cope with their pain. Like right. I, I, that's, that's where my jam is right now. Right. Uh, that's awesome. Okay. I love it. So let's step back into, into when you started all of this. So this was, did this start as a side hustle or as a, a full-on business in the beginning? So, you know, I can tell you the, the the moment at which I decided to start a nonprofit. I was in private practice. Uh -huh. um, I had started it in 2006 with um, a dietitian, And there was a client that came in because we were working with eating disorders. Right. Um, and a client came in and she didn't have, she didn't need our level of care. She needed a more, a higher level of care. She needed right. to be in the hospital. Well, she had already been in the, the medical hospital. She had already been in a uh, more intensive program, like a residential program. Mm -hmm. But she only had four weeks worth of resources from her insurance. Right. Right. They would only pay for yep. 30 inpatient days. And this is like, this is 2006. 
Um, and so she walked into our office and I'm like, what am I going to do with you? Like, you're way too sick to be treated at an outpatient level of care. And four weeks is not going to get it. Oh my there, gosh. Right? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. So um, I called her, her, her dad's company, the medical benefits coordinator, the insurance company. I called everybody and they were like, we're sorry, but this is, this is all she's got. And she's used it up. And so we had this kid and it was like, well, I'm not going to push you out of the door because you're likely not going to do anything. Right. There's nowhere for you to go. Yeah. And so instead of, I mean, basically that was the moment at which that was the person that uh, spawned the MANA Scholarship Fund. Yeah. And I had had several clients before she came in when I was working for this other company. And one of them was a very wealthy woman who had had an eating disorder and she had underlying trauma. Right. And so the dietitian and I started thinking and talking and I did a bunch of research online and I found that there was one organization in the whole United States that provided scholarships for treatment. Wow. And I reached out to them and they're like, we don't have any more money. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I need to do. <laughs> and so I said, can I take your your application and sort of morph it? And, and it literally started creating a life on its own. Yeah. And so I... Uh, started the Mana Scholarship Fund, and it it came to life in uh, June twenty seventh of two thousand seven. Uh huh. I put our first recipient, who was a client of mine, in in Ridgeview Hospital in two thousand eight, the beginning of two thousand eight. Okay. I had reached out to the woman who had I had seen before, who was very wealthy. Right. And I asked them to help start this organization. They gave me $15,000 to start, and I put her in treatment. Wow. Uh, I worked with a doctor who didn't charge. It was just like things just started rolling. Right. Right? And and I was hooked. Yeah. And then I developed, so I had like seven or nine people that I knew. Some of them I had treated their children, started, I created a board. Okay. And we used to meet monthly back then. Um, currently, the board only meets uh, quarterly. Okay. Um, but we are a very, very different beast than we were back then. Okay. But, but I would say the first ten years, we put twenty-five or twenty-six people in the residential or inpatient levels of care. Right. And raised almost a million dollars in that time frame. Wow. Okay. And so that's. 25 people and lives that we changed. Yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, when you're doing the, the stuff and you're in the in it, yeah. like I had created this clinical team to review applications and make sure we were picking the person that had the most, the most the need, most need and, yeah. the, the fewest resources, and the most drive. Right. And so I had a clinical team and we would meet and bring it to the board and the board would vote and then we would call. It was just, it was so cool and so exciting. Yeah. And um, and there was one woman that I was talking with 10 years after we put her in treatment. Uh-huh. And I mean, these people, some of them were on death's door. We literally, one, one woman we pulled out of hospice 
and plopped her in treatment for three months. We paid for her treatment for three months. Wow. And she started getting better. Mm-hmm. And it gave her enough um, support where, like, I asked her at the end of three months, do you want more? And she said, no. I was like, all right, you don't want it? We're not going to pay for it. <laughs> but then when I did some follow-up uh-huh. later on, ten like 10 years later, I think I did a 10-year post, like, after we had started all this stuff. Right. So in 2016 or 17. Okay. She said, I need you to know that you saved my life. Wow. She's like, I'm still in treatment, but I, I, I have my doctorate now. Wow, that's awesome. And I am doing well in treatment. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I think about these things a lot of times in, in like the companies I've started and the businesses I've started. And it's the people mm-hmm. um, that matter the most that even if the company goes away, mm-hmm. you know, that will always remain and, and those ripples will continue to exist kind of going forward. So that's, that's an incredible story. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So the Mana Scholarship Fund was all about that. So you were raising money. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you'd never raised money before. Never. Uh, so how did you figure that out? How did you figure out? I hated it. <laughs> I hate asking for money. I think everybody but I'm that really ends good up, at it now. I, I think that everybody that does that um, says the same thing. Uh, so how is it that you got started doing that? Like, so you had this one wealthy uh, client um, that kind of kickstarted you. She continues how about- to donate. In fact, I'm having lunch with her today. Okay. <laughs> 20 years we have been connected. Yeah. She started as a client. She became a donor. Right. And now we're friends. Right. So how did you find all the other folks that got you to a million or more in, in donations a year for this? Yeah. So, um, well, we over, when you are working with people over time, right, with with when their kids have eating disorders, um, there are you just sort of amass these people that when their kids get better, they want to give you what they can. Right. The real big change with Mana came when I combined the companies. Okay. Um. Like I said, it was I started I started these companies when I was thirty seven. Mm-hmm. So by the time I'm forty seven, I'm tired. I'm <laughs> running two companies. I'm doing two sets of books, and I was tired. Right. And doing all. I mean, I, it was a lot. Um. And so I decided I was trying to actually sell Mana treatment. Okay. And I I got one bid, and it was so sub. Par, I was like, that is offensive. Right. And I was watching all these other smaller uh, companies that w- worked with people with eating disorders develop programs with that were different levels of care. And I said, you know what? 
I'm a non, I, I can pull everything under the nonprofit. So I pulled the treatment program under the nonprofit. Okay. And because I was a nonprofit, I could ask people for the funds to, instead of having investors, right? I asked donors. Got it. And so um, I ended up having to borrow about $60,000 to get us through this six-month period where we had to run the three levels of care without being able to take insurance, and we got accredited. So there's this committee on okay. accreditation for rehabilitation facilities. or several accredit accreditation programs, but we did CARF. And you have to run the programs for six months. And so it, it takes money to pay people to run these programs, right? Right. And then once you run the programs, you can apply on for the in the insurance company world because you're a CARF accredited. And okay. then they will start paying for the people to come. But before you're accredited, they won't pay. They won't pay. But you've got to do it to be able to be accredited. Correct. So I had to go <laughs> into debt and then and that was in 2017. Okay. So in December of 2017, we were CARF accredited. Okay. And then in 2018, we start applying to different insurance companies. Okay. Well, I had hired a woman to do this for me. She worked for another company. Um, she didn't do what she said she was going to do. Yeah. So the first four or five months, I like I had it budgeted out. I was like, all right, this is how much it costs. And so I've got it budgeted out. And by May of 2018, we should be able to have enough, like we should be able to be on insurance so we can start charging insurance. There were a lot of things that I didn't know. <clears throat> Once we were CARF accredited, we actually could have been applying for, we could have been doing single case agreements with the insurance companies uh -huh. to get that money. Oh. But we didn't. Yeah. So um, she wasn't doing the applications. So um, tenacious little genie says, screw it. I will apply to all of the insurance companies. And so- yeah. Um, I applied to probably seven or eight insurance companies, and I got us accredited with all of these insurance companies. And so by November of that year, right, we were making, we were self-sustaining. Yeah. But until then, thank God for the staff that were dedicated to the program. I would have to, I would get in enough money like on payday to pay them half yeah. or a portion of their pay. Right. And then I'm like, all right, I'm sorry, but the next little bit of money that comes in, I will pay you. Yeah, make And of whole. course, I'm taking like the least amount. Right. And trying to figure out how to make ends meet. My credit cards are going sky high and so all the things. Standard entrepreneur story here. <laughs> it's terrible. And so, um, but I had a guy, I ended up bringing this guy in to do the billing. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the six weeks that he worked for me, he brought us from, you know, walking, I mean, crawling to we were self-sustaining. Well, then he had to leave because he got a full-time job. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying these other people to do the billing. And then finally, I reached back out to him and I, a year later and I said, listen, I need you. What do you, what, what, and we were starting, we, because we were on insurance then. Right. We were able to <clears throat> not only pay, I mean, like we were self-sustaining, but we were also then able to give scholarships for people in-house yeah, as well as out of house. Okay. And so 
but it was still not not as much as we needed. Right. Um, so I reached back out to him a year later, brought him on board in January of 2019. And we went from being in debt in 2019 to 100% out of debt in 2020. Wow. And then amassed a huge, I mean, I say a huge, but a lot of savings um, so that we could then start doing more and more and right. more. And, you know, I've I've learned that financially, you need to have at least three months worth of um, bills in, in savings. Right. So we've got a bunch of different savings, a bunch of different accounts. One is savings, one is for one program, one is for for scholarships. I mean, so we have like right. our money in, in chunks. Yeah. yeah. So that we So can. now um, everything has moved into the nonprofit, right? Everything so. in 2016, I merged the companies. So everything is a nonprofit now at this point. Everybody works for a nonprofit. Okay. So um, what does that mean for you then moving forward? Obviously now you can't sell it. Really, right? Like you could merge it with a nonprofit, but that doesn't really mean an exit for I you. I actually could break off the mana treatment component uh-huh. and sell it. Okay. Because the the nonprofit actually has multi functions. Right. And so we could still separate out, raise money, and put people in a resident or any of the levels of care. Right. And I could sell the company, the the CARF accredited company. Right. The mana but- treatment. But then Mana Scholarship would get the money from that, right? Because it, it No, owns... not necessarily. Oh, okay. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, it could. It could I mean it, you I could separate it out okay. and sell that company to someone else. Right. And use that money. I mean, obviously Mana would get a whole chunk of it. Right. I, you know, I would get a little payout. Yeah. But we would not we're we're not in that place. Right. We don't want to do that. Okay. Because we love the the team that has been created in the last five years. Um, I have created a a leadership team. Um, yeah. Because part of a CARF the CARF accreditation is what's your exit plan? Yeah. And so here in the last three years, I've been thinking, is this my next CEO? Is this my next CEO? Okay. Who's my next CEO? Yeah. Well, this cute little girl came in about three years ago, almost four, no, three or four years ago in January. Yeah. And she started out as an intern. Mm-hmm. And it must have been four years. It must be four years in January. She started out as an intern, and she was just larger than life. And she was like, you're going to love me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I am. Okay. And I just loved her energy and, you know, we have similar belief systems and I mean, it's just, and so over the last four years, she has gone from an intern to employee to a lead clinician to her in in January of 24, no, 25, she is going to be my next CEO. Okay. So you've got your plan then for you exiting. So what does that mean for you then after that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> not that I'm never, I mean. That's actually a great answer, by the way, because a lot of people feel like you've got to know what's next when you're not well, the head dog. What I So what I know is that mana is too big for me. 
Because right. I've been the single CEO, running mana, growing mana. Right. And it's getting too big for me. Yeah. And I function best. I was an only child. Okay. And I function best in a team. Yeah. And so I've created this team. We've got a leadership team. And there's six of us, me and five other women. Yeah. And they represent different parts of the company. So medical and um, administrative and clinical. And I mean, just those five, dietary. So, So we have been... For the last year, I've been we have been meeting as a leadership team, and we are now at this place because um, I am stepping away as the clinical director mm-hmm. in January. I've got uh, Kelsey coming in as the clinical director, and so I can take I can take that off my plate. Okay. And so what I'm going to be doing this next year in 24 is teaching. We're we're all going to be. We're in this place where we're um, creating our own, like, what is it that you want to do to help MANA move forward? Yeah. So we're creating the job descriptions and what is it that you want to do? What do you want to learn how to do? What do you do best? And so we're dividing up the responsibilities of what I've been doing and how I've been doing it with them. Right. And really creating, like, a— a, a C-suite for MANA. Uh, if you're talking to somebody that's contemplating doing what you did, starting a side hustle or a small business, what's that one piece of advice that you'd give to them? <sighs> um, make sure you're doing good for more than just you. That is a great piece of advice, and I don't think that needs to be expounded on beyond that. So, uh, Dr. Gina Burnett, uh, thank you so much for being on. It's been a pleasure to have you on Yeah, today. it was fun. It went fast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit Hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find out more about me at my website, SanjayParikh.com.